Greetings. Welcome to Sippin' Tea with D. This is your host, Deirdre Simmons. Thank you for joining us this evening. When we experience bad or painful things in our lives, it can take a toll on us and shatter our sense of safety and security. In these current unprecedented times, living in a pandemic where everything we know to be has changed and challenged our sensibility. Wearing facial masks, protective gear, social distancing, and constant hand washing has become the norm against a deadly virus. All of which has incited emotional and psychological trauma in many, triggering feelings of fear, helplessness, and even causing anxiety. Tonight, our guest is Dr. Carol Labor. With over 30 years of combined experience as an educator, an advocate, a doctor of public health, Dr. Carol has created cultural as well as linguistic education and psychological programs for immigrants from countries such as Sierra Leone, Liberia, Haiti, Ghana, Turkey, Syria, and China, just to name a few. Her experience with complex trauma and mental health will help us to examine not just the effects of trauma, but its historical and generational context as well. Grab your tea, move closely in, and let's take a listen. And good evening. Uh, thanks for joining us at Sippin' Tea with D. Uh, we have a very, very important topic tonight uh, with so much going on in terms of our mental health between the pandemic as well as the assaults and racial divides in our country. Um, the state of our minds is uh, very important and have uh, basically have not been nurtured. Uh, we don't always think about nurturing our minds and our emotions in the way that we should uh, in the in the basis of these these uh, incidents. Uh, I have with us this evening Dr. Carol Labor. Uh, Dr. Carol, thank you uh, for joining us here at Sippin' Tea with D. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dr. Carol, uh, you are a doctor of public health. Um, your work has been uh, with, you know, you're an educator, an advocate. Uh, you're an, also a published author. Um, you, you work both. Um, your advocacy has been in research, uh, focusing primarily on the intersectionality of race and health. Uh, disparities that occur between multicultural as well as multilingual communities. Yeah. Um, you also have uh, placed a lot of your work. I see your emphasis has been on uh, trauma as well as gender-based violence, correct? Yes. So uh, Dr. Carol, what I want to uh, unfold and unpack tonight is how the uh, trauma has affected us, uh, how trauma has affected our communities, uh, how trauma affects us as individuals. Um, I want you to help us to kind of look at um, how in the face of something like the pandemic, uh, how, you know, we have you know, triggers that can, you know, be resurfaced during this time. I know for myself, uh, I suffer from anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. And initially in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I was, you know, I started to develop these attacks again. And, uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure what was going on or why um, I felt that, you know, with being in the safety of my home, uh, being in familiar surroundings that I wouldn't feel these things. But with all that was going on in terms of the uncertainty, the information that we were getting, uh, it started to uh, trigger, you know, started to bring up some triggers of past traumas. So I want to talk about how uh, those, 
you know, having pre-existing traumas or the effects of traumas, how they can affect us as a whole. Okay. Uh, um, trauma in our communities and communities of color as a whole, it's a very important topic. It's something that uh, we've talked about for years, but um, I really think it's something that we need to move beyond talking about it okay. and trying to um, understand, educate ourselves about trauma, and then also embark on a journey of healing. And uh, healing from trauma is actually an individual journey. Okay. I, I, I caution myself when people say that they're healers or they can heal someone because healing, in my uh, professional opinion, comes from within uh, as it pertains to trauma. So now um, when we talk about trauma within communities of color, um, the uh, definition of trauma loosely is a distressing, disturbing, or adverse experience. Trauma is subjective. It impacts all of us uh, in different ways. We may experience something, say, uh, use your example with the COVID pandemic, mm -hmm. and some of us that have pre-existing trauma, complex trauma, we may react um, different differently than individuals that do not have a history of trauma. Within the uh, black community, there's um, there's a there's an uh, array of different traumas that we've experienced. We all have a collective trauma when it comes to experiencing racism, uh, crime, uh, disparities. There's uh, historical trauma that stems down from race. Um, sorry, the slave, the slave period. Um, okay. You have uh, intergenerational trauma, which is, I, I, I like to look at it as tradition. Intergenerational trauma is trauma that's handed down from generation through generation. So now, when you say intergenerational uh, trauma and being handed down, uh, could you give an example? Do you mean something uh, that would occur such as um, if your parents were afraid of a certain situation and they um, perhaps have given you, or put it this way, uh, and I'm just, just generalizing, if they were afraid of the police, mm -hmm. if, you, if you come from a family where people have feared the police mm -hmm. and you taught, your children were taught to be afraid of the police as well, would that be something considered as generational? It can be uh, considered as intergenerational trauma because um, something such as police brutality, it mm -hmm. takes on a physical and emotional form, okay. um, and, and which, um, which impacts, which causes trauma. So yes, that can be handed down and racism, br police brutality, those are forms of trauma that have existed within our communities that have been handed down to us both structurally, system, systemically, and also through families and communities. Now, when you say that, um, you know, you talk about the historic factors of trauma and mm -hmm. slavery, it's oftentimes when that discussion comes up, people find it a bit difficult to, uh, you know, to be able to uh, formulate the idea that something that happened uh, several generations ago would still have its effects on a community or a family, uh, you know, in, in the present time. Um, historically, uh, things that occurred within uh, families during slavery, you know, such as families being separated, um, I guess the fear of separation. Um, can we kind of talk about how those particular instances could still uh, affect uh, the life or the, of our family today? Sure. When you look at uh, trauma in the context of historical racism uh, within our communities, uh, we've experienced things such as forced, forced capture, uh, things that happened in Africa, Caribbean, uh, the different ports that slaves were stolen from. You have the forced migration, uh, forced labor. We were beaten, whipped, murdered. Um, there were, I'm not sure the exact number, but 
a, a, a huge amount of slaves, women, children, men that were either thrown overboard, uh, jumped overboard, committed suicide, fell sick on the um, during the Middle Passage and died um, on their way to Americas or wherever the slave ships landed. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been subjected to lynching, rape. Um, and it's not just rape by, you say, uh, rape from the slave masters to women, but there were rape from slave masters to men and boys. There was also incestual rape where um, male, black males were forced to rape their mothers, their sisters, their cousins. Because even if you look at the, the, the MF word, that's where that actually comes from. Because men were, boys were forced to rape their mothers. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They were forced abortions. Um, women, black women were forced to breastfeed uh, the uh, children of their masters. And then you talk, then you get into even the separation of families that you just talked about mm -hmm. and that whole um, issue of being separated. So if you think those, some of those things that I mentioned happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. yet these things are still occurring and, and have occurred um, throughout the years. So it's not like um, families were separated during slavery and now everything's great. Families continue to be separated after slavery, after the Civil Rights Act, um, even today in, 2000, in, the, in, the, in 2020, families are still being separated. When you look at the violence piece with rape, uh, crime, beatings, whippings, and even look at it from a, a gender standpoint with violence against women. Black women, women of color are still being murdered. We're still being raped. We're still being um, beaten. We're still victims of structural and systemic racism in the workplace, in, the hosp in hospitals, within our communities, in our mm -hmm. places of worship. So it still continues. So um, so when we look at trauma that happened, historical trauma, historical trauma in a way has um, evolved into intergenerational trauma. Okay, so with historical trauma taking uh, taking that, you know, taking the role of you know becoming um, more of not just what has happened in the past, but in present day. Mm -hmm. and us being faced with it how can uh how is there is there a way that because we know that this is what's going on because we have more resources is there a different way in which we someone can um respond or report or excuse me not report but is there a way that someone could um possibly correct those that the, the the triggers in which they respond to those traumas i guess is what i'm asking so I, i'm sorry because when we talk about slavery we you know they didn't have resources so i'm looking at present day where we have we have resources we have the knowledge we're aware that this is going on is there a way for us to stop that when you look at uh resources um Yes, resources exist in some communities and for some people, mm -hmm. um, but there's still a thing uh, when you look at trauma from an environmental standpoint, and this is within uh, communities, primarily communities of color, urban communities, where there's a heavy, not all, but in our communities where there's heavy rates of crime, violence, poverty, hunger, food insecurity, um, those are all things that contribute uh, towards trauma within individuals. We can look at adverse childhood experiences, and that's pretty much uh, trauma that happens during our childhood. Okay. And for for children that have experienced trauma, even back if we go back to slavery, historical trauma in that context, um, when you experience trauma as a child, it actually changes your cognitive development. It changes mm -hmm. the way your brain um, has developed. It changes your perception, your beliefs, and even when you experience trauma as an adult. So we have to look at the different forms of trauma mm -hmm. before we can even get to um, 
whether or not the resources are there and if they're there, if they're culturally appropriate for us. Um, and I'll, I'll use the example of domestic violence, intimate partner violence. When you look at um, the DV domestic violence shelters, um, they weren't designed for black women. So and why do you say that? Um, because it came around, I believe it was in the seventies, the domestic violence shelters, don't quote me on the year, I believe it was in the mid seventies that domestic violence <clears throat> shelters were, um, were created to help white women. Okay. Um, escape domestic violence. So even when you look at shelters now, in I'll take Pennsylvania for an example, you have about four agencies from four agencies that are that dominate that field. Okay. When you, when you look at where women can go, mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot of bed space. It's not culturally and linguistically appropriate for if you if you speak English as a second language. Now, some of the shelters do provide uh, translation interpretation for the Spanish language. But say if you're in a black community, immigrant, refugee community, then um, they don't cater to our languages. Um, there's a big there's a big uh, there's a huge wait list for women to enter these domestic violence shelters. And if you factor in the environmental stuff with the crime, violence, poverty, hunger, absence of parents, whether it can be a mother or a father, um, these are all, they all form, they join to form like complex trauma. It's like one thing on top of another, on top of another. So back to the DV shelters, when you go in there, they're there to protect you from what domestic violence, but mm -hmm. they're not, Addressing all of the other things that may um, you have you may have experienced prior to coming into the shelter. Um, wow! And when you look at um, vicarious trauma, secondary trauma, and that's really a lot of people that work on the front line. You're 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 exposed to the trauma that your clients. Um, may face and you you internalize it. You're internalizing the stories. Teachers, for example, that mm -hmm. have children um, that have experienced trauma at home. And even when there's a even now when there's a lot of talk about going back to school and a lot of these kids have experienced trauma just from being home. A lot of the kids have experienced more hunger because they, they don't have the meals that they um, were being served in school. Okay. Again, this isn't all the ch children, but I'm speaking to the, the, um, the adults now, the teachers, the school admins that will be on the receiving end of these children that have experienced trauma during these um, this COVID time, the pandemic, the stay-at-home orders, even just um, from children, um, the behavior change of having to wear a mask. Right, right. It's interesting <laughs> that you bring that up because, uh, you know, even thinking about uh, the trauma that will result, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy going on and discussing uh, schools returning to the classroom in the middle of COVID-19 and mm -hmm. just uh, a lot of the conversations and the reactions of educators, uh, mm -hmm. their own personal fears, um, their own concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think about the, how the, the trauma that will result, will be, that will happen as a result of them returning, you know, with the possibility of uh, persons becoming ill or, or because we know the, the outcome of COVID-19 or even dying. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that that brings about a, a whole nother conversation. It, it, it does. There's so many levels to addressing trauma within our communities, D. Um, and so it's really like, where do you start? Mm -hmm. What do you want to address first? Um, because when you look at just some of the children going back to school or is violence against women, it's like, where do you start? And again, trauma is subjective, trauma, um, subjective and trauma affects us different ways. 
we can have physiological responses to trauma, which is uh, trauma manifests itself through our bodies, mm-hmm. or psychological, emotional responses to trauma, and it comes through our mind. And um, individuals that experience trauma are at a greater risk of developing mental health disorders. They're at a greater list of a greater risk of, of um, dealing with suicidal ideation. They're at greater risk of completing suicide. So there's um, it's there's not a one size fits all, but I really think the, the first step in my opinion to address trauma is really to educate individuals on what trauma is and mm-hmm. the effects of trauma and to provide them with tools, uh, you know, strategies uh, to cope with it. Um, and coping with trauma, people people do heal from trauma. Um, people can move past the traumatic experience, but it's really about educating, equipping, and empowering individuals that have experienced trauma um, about what it is. So you now, got sure. I'm, no, I'm sorry. Go on. No, go ahead. I was I was going to talk about uh, women and children, but go ahead. No, that was actually my one of the things I wanted to ask you was mm-hmm. you, when you talk about uh, coping strategies and even uh, identifying trauma, do African-Americans, do we process trauma differently or? Um, now that I, I don't know. Um, okay. okay. I don't know the research on that, but I would, I would say that if you take a, a, a white woman and a and a black woman, and and you look at their experience with trauma. Mm-hmm. It's it, in my opinion, it's more likely that the black woman has more, has experienced more trauma, whether directly or indirectly. Yes, and the white woman. And, and, and you know, because, no, because when you talk about the you know going back to our originally when we talked about historical you know trauma as it relates to uh history and uh in, in terms of generational context it just made me uh think about you know if those are factors that play into trauma um would we process it as a culture as a community differently than others just based on those factors alone i would venture to say yes mm-hmm. and i'll give you the example of let's say um a hard-boiled egg that may not be a very good example but that's what pops in my mind a hard egg or or a, a, an apple so if you look at it if you drop a hard-boiled egg Mm-hmm. It, it it shatters, right? Right. It shatters into pieces, and that's what. And those pieces can represent different forms of trauma in the in the in the minds of of African Americans and um, in the minds of children, African American children, children in communities of color. And I say communities of color because you have. You know, our black and brown folks, we we tend to process this trauma. It tends to exist in our communities. So when you look at a, a, a cracked egg, how okay. do you put the piece back together? How do you put it back together? It's really you have to, un- sometimes it's just really unlearning. Right. Because if you've cracked an egg, there's no way you can make it whole again. But there can be some sort of healing. And the healing has to be first through the individual and then it goes to the family within our communities because if you if we heal ourselves then then what good is that if our communities are still hurting our family members are still hurting it has to be a collective healing process and i really believe it just starts with educating educating people you have um well, I'll just look at it in terms of the pandemic and when, you know, everyone was saying, well how, well, how come people don't wear a mask and people aren't wearing masks and, you know, and just being very derogatory. But yes. it speaks to the theory of behavior change. Mm-hmm. You know, you equate it to like uh, teaching a, a, a potty training a kid. You don't potty train a kid in one day. And yeah, because it's almost like people are blatantly defiant, and it's it's it's, or it's sort of confusing because mm-hmm. you feel like you know that this is for the benefit of you know of us all. However, 
there it, it just appears that just something as simple as putting on a mask and then someone saying, well, you know, no, I don't I don't want to wear a mask. I don't feel like that I have to. Yeah, and you can look at that in two ways. You have people that are, you know, anti-maskers that's just like, oh, I'm not going to wear it. It's a conspiracy theory. But then um, if you look at it in communities that have experienced trauma, mm-hmm. I mean, in, within our communities, we've, we've experienced so much. And so it's like, you know, you have crime, you have violence, you have um, illiteracy, you have... Um, underfunded schools because one of the things that concerns me about sending children back to school to live in urban communities you have children that are in the class that are 30 plus children in a classroom how are they going to socially distance right. uh, you know so you have communities that are dealing with with high rates of crime high rates of murder um high rates of mass incarceration and then you're like Oh, wear a mask so you don't catch a virus. And- but don't you think that those things desensitize us in a sense when you know we talk about uh, how us. how it, it affects us? Yes, it numbs yeah. us. Right, it numbs us mm-hmm. exactly. So we're desensitized. It, 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 there's a numbing. Uh, there's a numbing component that goes to that. So it's kind of like okay, you know what what else can happen, you know, and and it, sadly. You just can't look at someone not wearing a mask, say within our communities, <laughs> but get to the get to the root of it. Get to right, the root. Right. You know, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, our our lives matter. And we have to feel that our lives matter to us mm-hmm. to protect ourselves from the coronavirus and to protect others. You know, so um, I, I really think that when the pandemic started, there should have been, again, educational um, uh, campaign about why, um, especially, especially in communities that um, have already were already experiencing high rates of trauma, high rates of of um, environmental traumas. Um, there should have been a bigger push mm-hmm. for that. And, and, really, and where do you think that push or that education uh, starts? Hmm. Well, I would say, I would venture out to say just within the Philadelphia system, I would say the push starts with uh, community organizations. Yeah, just lo- um, you're talking about on the local level. Um, well, well, the local level, but the local level is funded by the state and then the federal level. Okay. So you have um, community organizations, you have mm-hmm. the school, because even within uh, the education system, there's funding for social uh, social education programs and not just uh, classroom um, instruction. So um, whether it's from the schools, the community organizations, um, federally funded uh, behavioral health organizations within the city, the system. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think those systems have a lot of, have a a bigger role to play. They have a role to play, a bigger role to play in, um, in one, addressing the trauma, addressing the situation of individuals not wearing masks, uh, mass gatherings, because you can look and see like even now, I have um, I was reading the the newspaper online for today, and just uh, the mass gatherings that are still happening in all communities, whether they're white, black, or brown, that are still right. happening. But as you know, this COVID pandemic has impacted communities of color at a much higher rate. So, you know, and you look at the I look at the trauma, and you see children that are that are living in communities um, and, you know, there's drugs, there's crime, you know, wearing a mask may not be the first thing on, 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 on the, um, yeah, that certainly uh, might not even be a priority. If, exactly. Um, it's you know, like, if I'm okay, trying to get something that? to eat or if I want to, if I, you know, I'm yeah. not even sure about, um, you know, even what, you know, and just being in a healthy environment as a whole. Housing. Yeah. I mean, what's happening now? Once they start cutting 
the extra unemployment benefits and these these uh, the moratoriums are lifted mm-hmm. from um, the landlords evicting people or uh, mortgage lenders um, um, taking back their homes. It, it, this is going to have a devastating effect on right. our communities. It's interesting, Dr. Carroll, because when you state that and, you know, it goes back to, you know, we don't think about how uh, those things can, you know, affect the bigger picture. You know, again, you're saying, you know, we're thinking, okay, just put on the mask. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't seem priority. It doesn't feel. And with the uncertainty and uh, of this uh, of, of COVID nineteen and it being something that that's not tangible and when I say not tangible like we can't see it like you can see the violence in the communities mm-hmm. you can see uh, the disparities between different communities you can see um, the effects of trauma in the communities but it's difficult to um, understand the importance of doing something or, you know, if I'm experiencing all these other things, if I'm hungry, if, you know, um, if my house is not necessarily, uh, if I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, living here, if we're worried about where we're going to stay in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months, it's difficult for me to understand that, um, oh, my, my first priority or it's necessary for me to put this mask on so that I won't either contract or, uh, you know, uh, the COVID virus. So again, I'm just looking at how those traumas can affect us overall. Yeah, there's, um, there's definitely a correlation between experience, trauma experiences, trauma exposure, and our uh, behaviors, our beliefs, our perceptions to things. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you have the physiological impact, but then there's also the psychological impact. And it's really, you know, it, 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 trauma impacts our, impacts cognitive development. Um, trauma exposure leads to PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorders. Um, and then you have the whole, like you mentioned it early on, the triggers, which are really trauma, uh, trauma responses, um, uh, how people trigger memories. Uh, memories of the trauma is, is, uh, is how it's stored in your brain and how you react um, when you remember uh, the traumas. Or that is the whole feeling of being vulnerable, mm-hmm. helpless, helpless, and um just in a constant state of fear that something's going to happen. These are just um, some of the things that trauma does to us uh, and trauma impacts our brain. And if we look at the social impact of trauma, um, it affects our our beliefs, fundamental beliefs um, within our different communities. You have the incarceration, brutality, and then the increased involvement in the criminal justice system, foster care system, the juvenile justice system. So there's just, it's, just, it's layers. Right. You know, like how, you know, some of the younger people say, oh, there's layers to this with it. Yeah, there's layers to trauma. Mm-hmm. It, it interferes in, in our interpersonal relationships and how we interact with each other, our families, communities, and authority figures. So it's kind of like mm. um, trauma causes reactions, responses to different, to different uh, social situations when we talk about the social impacts of it. Um, and so what do you do? And what do you do? How do you build resilience, which is really moving past the trauma and getting into a space of healing um, and moving past the adversity, the uh, the uh, yeah, moving past the adversity of trauma, the experience of trauma. What do you do? What What do you think that um, you know? You you talked earlier about uh, coping. You know what 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 would be some of the the strategies that we could look at? You know, just in terms of coping, especially under uh, the current conditions that we're living in. Well, I think we're we're jumping 
<laughs> we're jumping over uh, first. And I think in, in before we cope, okay. we have to understand what, what happened what to like, you know, people always quote, I, I think Oprah said it. I'm not sure if she said it or not. But people always say, oh, what happened to you? All right. So it moves beyond what happened to us mm-hmm. and, and really unpacking what has happened. You know, when you talk about mothers and children and fathers and children, and you mentioned something about if you're like, if our parents were afraid of the police and they told you you're afraid of the police, well, there's different examples that we can use for that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I always revert back to violence against women, women. And if your mother was, was a victim of violence, whether it was sexual um, emotional, physical violence, then her fears, her uh, PTSD, PTSD, her uh, exposure and experience with that, you'll be exposed to it as a child. She would place that right, exactly. It, it can be just something as fear, like, no, you can't go outside. Mm-hmm. No, you can't go outside mm-hmm. at 7 o'clock. Right. No, no, you can't go spend the night at your uncle's house, at your cousin's house. No, you can't go because, you know, we're, as women, we're taking what we've learned, right, handed down to us, and we're really, we're handing it down to the next generation, whether it's our children, nieces, nephews. So how do we unpack that trauma? How do we have those uncomfortable conversations with our mothers, our elders, our aunts, our uncles? Even with our siblings, mm-hmm. because when you talk about violence and we've been exposed to violence, but there's such a, a hush, there's such a, um, uh, a stigma around it that we don't talk about it, but the body acts. Um, there's a book that um, I love to reference and it's called The Body Keeps Score. And your body keeps score of your traumatic mm-hmm. experience. Whether or not you want to... Um, voice it or not yes your body remembers your mind remembers and and so that impacts how you act that impacts your decision making um that impacts um your belief system so before we get to coping strategies we have to unpack our trauma we have to really identify what happened to us what's what's our trauma story Mm-hmm. What's our trauma story? What happened? We got to take that memory walk. What happened? How so did it- first it comes with identifying what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's your story? Uh, and knowing your story will also uh, help you determine what are your triggers. You know, tra- tracing, you know, where that trauma came from. Mm-hmm. Identifying those triggers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then in and with that, I mean, and I can definitely encourage people to do so with a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really how to break out of what's happened. Um and address your pain, the pain of the trauma that you've been exposed to, whether it's whether it's directly or indirectly. Um, and just deal with possible conflicts that you have internally or externally because of the trauma. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to do a whole, uh, there's a lot of unpacking that needs to be done. And it's not just a one and done or, you know, one size fits all in addressing trauma and providing individuals with the tools to heal from trauma. So it's not an overnight process. You need the help of a professional. You need to be able to uh, to recognize, you know, the triggers and, and and trace the trauma and and be able to be willing and to openly openly, uh, you know, to identify it. But right. you also have to be patient in your own healing and taking your time and identifying what steps you need to take to get to that place where um, you're able to process it. Correct. Right, and it's more than your just your own healing, but okay. it's really the healing of your family, mm-hmm. um, your you know individuals that are close to you, because one you have to once you unpack it, it's mm-hmm. more than likely it's not going to be a beautiful thing. It's not a bed of roses. Of it's course. Not, you know, we may be telling some family secrets, and uh, so you really want to know what do you want to get out of. 
unpacking this trauma in which for a lot of individuals, I would, I would um, just uh, surmise it's to heal, get a level of comfort, get a level, get rid of the emotional pain, the uncertainty that comes along with being exposed to trauma, but not really being able to identify, put your finger on just what happened when we're dealing with complex trauma. So, um, healing, it involves yourself, but also your network, your support. Mm -hmm. Um, and really you have to, I always look at it as, um, taking that first step on that journey is, is discovering yourself. And then you can bring along other individuals with you, your children, because if, if you suffer from trauma, especially a lot of us suffer from complex trauma, then, you know, you have people on the outside looking in like, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? You know, and it's like um, they've experienced trauma. So I think the more we're open to having these uh, discussions about trauma and the mm -hmm. impact trauma within our communities, within our families, the more that we can get on the journey to heal, healing ourselves and healing our communities. I certainly agree with you because uh, you said um, two very key things that I thought were very important for people to identify with. That it's a journey of self-discovery mm -hmm. and that trauma was subjective. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's really important that we, we take a, a closer look at this, uh, especially with um, what, what we're being faced with now and how it affects us, um, as well as just even recently in, in the media, um, you know, uh, rap star Kanye West was uh, seen having, you know, um, a, a clear you know, uh, he was delivering a speech, but it was clear that it was so much more going on behind his words and his actions. And oftentimes when we see this and we hear other things recently in the media about, you know, other uh, people who have, um, you know, attempted suicide or who've actually committed suicide. There was a writer a couple of months ago, early on in the summer, who had um, committed suicide. And, you know, most recently, uh, you know, sing uh, singer Tamar Braxton was identified as having to attempted suicide. Uh, and we have all, and people have all these things going on. And, you know, again, as a community, we kind of need to look at it more seriously because what people often say when these ha things happen are, oh, I didn't understand, uh, you know, I didn't think that there was anything wrong. They seemed okay. Um, I just talked to this person. They were fine, you know, but we're not really identifying or understanding that what we, 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 what we often see visibly is not often what's really going on on the inside. Right. Definitely. Um, and it's, it's as a society, I think we're so quick to criticize because um, you were telling me about the uh, Kanye incident um, and I read about Tamar Braxton and we're quick to say, oh, Either we quick to criticize one, and then we're also say, "Oh, I didn't know." Exactly. And a lot of times, the "I didn't know" comes with um, when Black women, when we suffer uh, mental emotional breakdowns, when we attempt suicide, because we're taught to carry it so well. Mm. We have that, um, you know, it's the uh, it's the opposite of the angry Black woman. It's you know, that a lot of us experience, but it's really that perception of being a strong black woman, take it on the shoulder. You know, uh, I remember a, 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 as a child, a friend's mom, I mean, we were teenagers and she mm -hmm. used to always say, you better put an H on your back and handle it. And I was, I was just wow, <laughs> like handle what? And it right. was so basically she were she was already telling you yes. whatever's going on, something up, pull yeah. it together, put that yeah. H on your back. You're already a superwoman, yes. you know. Instead yes. of dealing with whatever it is, mm -hmm. 
And see, to me, that's another example of what goes what you goes back to what you were talking about before about, you know, uh, trauma in terms of context, because if I can't deal with what is going on, if I can't effectively deal with it and address it and I'm being told to just pull it together and move on, eventually mm -hmm. something is going to trigger mm -hmm. that thing and, and, and garner that uh, that reaction that will be, a, unfortunately, could be a negative reaction. Right. And mm -hmm. I know women that have committed suicide and um, I think it's um, one individuals that struggle with suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. uh, they're looking for a way, not really a way to die, but a way to um, to numb the pain, to get away from the pain. Mm. Of emotional trauma, emotional pain, mm -hmm. and then also not to deal with the stigma of letting your vulnerability show, letting, you know, saying, oh, I deal with depression, oh, I deal with this, oh, I deal with that. And I think recently depression has become sort of a buzzword. Yes. You know, um, people are saying, oh, I deal with depression, but mental health disorders, um, and 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 uh, caused by trauma or caused by other um, factors, they go way beyond uh, depression. You know, we spoke earlier offline about anxiety. Individuals deal with bipolar. Yes. Deal with schizophrenia, schizoaffective dis disorders. People hear voices, go in and out of psychosis. So just think, if if we can't talk about our traumas. We can't talk about depression to a larger extent. Then how do we talk about all those other things? If society is going to attack us, come at us um, when we bring 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 those things up. So when you see women like Tamar Braxton, one of my favorite um, musicians was Phyllis Hyman. Same thing. She committed. Yes. Yes. People are like, oh, she had everything to live for. She had fame, she had money, but you know, she was she was hurting emotionally. I would venture to say that she was hurting emotionally, and so many so many women of color we go through that, and rather than say it and be mocked and and be the topic of 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 um, gossip, mm -hmm. a lot of women resort to committing suicide. And what happens, you know, it's like, oh, we didn't know. And then, you know, then the next news cycle rolls around. So right. I think unpacking, dealing with our traumas, dealing with mental health disorders candidly within our community so that we can get the healing we so uh, want and desire is, um, is, is, is what we need to do, which, um, you know, I really, again, look at things from the standpoint of women, Black women and girls. And um, I had an opportunity today. I was looking through the uh, Say Her Name brief. Yes. And it was, it was just countless, right. women, countless women that have been um, killed by the police, murdered by the police. And the, on the flip side of that, you have countless women that have been killed and murdered by strangers mm -hmm. and countless women that have been killed, murdered by our partners, individuals within our family. Um, you know, there's a there's an entire uh, history of family violence that, that that we don't talk about. It's not just our partners killing us or beating us. It's, it's fa other family members as well. Sisters beat sisters. You know, brothers beat sisters. Brothers beat brothers. So there's a whole um, there's a whole uh, a whole uh, uh, what word am I looking for? There's an entire um, it's a whole yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. Violence that we need to address, uh, uh, an entire area of trauma, um, seeking behaviors, trauma behaviors that that inflict trauma on us that we don't talk about. And we, we continually uh, sweep this under the rug. So we, we have created communities, generations that are traumatized. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Dr. Carroll, I, I certainly appreciate um, your, your um, candor as well as uh, your level of expertise on this topic. Um, you know, um, just talking about the effects of trauma and how to process it. Um, I just want to uh, encourage our listeners, uh, wherever you are, to, um, you know, think about, you know, your journey of self-discovery, um, you know, identifying those things that um, that trigger you and, and tracing, uh, tracing your trauma, uh, especially in these, these times, it is so important that not that we not only remain physically healthy, that we remain mentally healthy, our minds are so <laughs> fragile right now. Yes. And um, it, it has to go hand in hand, um, seek out those individuals in your local areas. Um, I'll try to provide some additional resources as well that you can, um, you know, that can assist you in this journey. There's a lot of um, services now that are being available to you online where you can just talk to someone, you know, where uh, counseling is available, um, you know, just, you know, it, just as quick as a Zoom meeting. So it's really, really important that um, we identify this, check with your local clergy if that's, if that's also an avenue for you, but it's certainly important that, that we address these needs and, and we look at them. Uh, again, uh, Dr. Carroll, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, you. For, our, for our listeners, please be sure to subscribe on the Anchor app. Uh, make sure that you leave a message on the anchor board um, so that if you have any additional questions or just, you know, leave information in regards to your feelings on this topic. How do you feel about um, trauma? How are you processing uh, during this time? Um, you know, give us your opinion to provide some feedback. I would certainly uh, love to hear from you. But thank you for joining us here at Sippin' Tea with D. This is your host, Deirdre Simmons, and have a great evening.